0: Welcome to Self-Care Hacks, the short podcast for overwhelmed and stressed out women who want to learn how to take better care of themselves. I'm your host, Anita Ojeda. I used to suffer from overwhelm and stress too, but I've learned how to take care of myself and take care of others. You can too. Today's guest is Mary Geisen. She is a blogger and writer. In fact, you have a book coming out soon, don't you?
1: I absolutely do. Yep,
0: next week. All right. So tell us a little bit about your book, first of all.
1: Yeah, I would love to. So my new book is The Advent Narrative, The Life You Didn't Know You Were Already Living. This is something that has been a three-year project for me. I had this idea and I kind of just like shelved it because you always think that you'll get to it later. right? And then finally later comes. So basically the, the bottom line with this book is that Advent is typically just celebrated the four weeks before Christmas. If you think about that time period, it's the busiest time for everybody because so much is going on as we're preparing for the holiday. And so Advent is something that is meant to be a time of preparation, but we don't give it the time that it deserves. So the question you have to think about is what if Advent is more than just four weeks long? What if Advent is actually a lifetime of living and Uh think about how advent is a time where you are preparing your heart you're in that place of expectancy because uh, of the arrival of jesus but advent is actually that time between when jesus was born and when he comes again so that is our lifetime so i take that idea and i just expand on that in the book
0: Wow, that sounds really, really good and something we probably don't think about often enough. Yes. So I'm curious did your caregiving journey experiences have any effect on the conclusions that you draw in the book on living in the Advent?
1: Absolutely. The interesting thing or the God thing that um, came about from all of that experience especially with my dad, my mom had already passed. And then um, I retired from teaching from of uh, 30 years of teaching. And at that same time, my dad just started to decline, not rapidly, but there, there was just, you know, a number of things that just kept compounding. And because of that experience and understanding what it looks like to live in a wilderness time, that really helped me to understand and want to understand Advent on a deeper level, because you have to walk through a place of uncertainty in order to know yourself better, but also in order to know God better.
0: Exactly. And caring for a loved one is definitely a place of uncertainty. Yes, Yes. Yeah, tell us a little more about yourself. You're one of four siblings?
1: I have four brothers. There's five of us. I am smack dab in the middle. Uh-huh. Um two older brothers, two younger brothers, and they happen to all live away from where I live. So I live in Ohio and they live kind of scattered all over the place. So when it came for the time to care for my dad, especially, they were not around physically. Right. They were in other places. So it was kind of left up to me.
0: Now, did your dad ever come live with you or stayed at home the whole time? Or did he have to move to a facility? Or how did that work out?
1: It worked out really great. Actually, he and my mom had moved to a retirement community. He was such a planner, such a detail person. He was an engineer by trade. So that kind of Explains that piece of his personality. Exactly. But he he planned for them to move before things became too difficult. So that worked out really well. He moved from independent to assisted, was getting ready to move to the full care nursing and was basically gone the next week. So oh, wow. Um, but it was a facility that did have all of those levels of care. And that was really helpful for me because. I didn't I didn't have a place for him to stay with me and I was the only person in town of the family to be able to care for him.
0: So, earlier this month I talked to Michelle Morin and she talked about having her mom move in with her family and the challenges that that presented and then eventually having to move her mom into an assisted living facility and there were challenges there as well. So I'm curious, sounds like your your parents were very organized and had things set up and they'd thought through the kind of end of life things. But even though they never stayed with you in your home, you were still a caregiver. What kinds of care did you give them? What sorts of things did you do that you would say qualified you as a family caregiver? That's a really good
1: question. When mom and dad were still together and they were in independent living, it was especially important for them that they still had some of the same routines that they had had when they lived completely on their own. And one of those was they wanted to have breakfast and lunch the way they wanted to have it. Even though the facility provided it, they chose not to partake in it. And instead I would have to be the one to go get the groceries to bring to them so that they could then have their usual because It was a sense of comfort for them. And I understand that. So that was one of the things he kept driving until he was like around 92. So when he finally gave that up, I was the driver, you know, taking him to appointments and things like that. And just basically kind of being that second set of eyes and ears, not only when he was at a doctor's appointment, but just when I was with him to understand he would start confiding in me, like how he was feeling. And, you know, all, all of the things that it becomes very, it becomes hard and overwhelming because you feel like it's all on your shoulders. Right. And even though I would share, share it all with my brothers, You still had this sense of responsibility because you're the one, you're the one that's there. Right.
0: So did you guys have some sort of system for keeping up with all the information that you were getting so that you could disperse it to them? Or was it more, your brothers would call you occasionally and you'd kind of update them? Did they feel involved enough or?
1: It is such a learning process. Mm -hmm. I don't know that we did it really well. But the best way for me, because I didn't want to repeat the information four times, right. was when there was a lot of information to go out that they needed to know, I would send an email okay, so that they would have that information. And then from there, there might be, I mean, there was always phone calls in between. right? But I know from just other family members, that it's it's hard when you don't live in the same city, but you want to be involved, and yet it just looks totally different.
0: Yeah, we're, we're kind of facing the same challenge now. We moved Pedro's parents about three blocks away from us in, into a little okay. house this spring, and he only has one sibling, and it's relatively easy to you know, call his brother up and say, you know, this is what's happening and do you have any insight? What do you think I should do? But I can't imagine what's going to happen to me when my parents start needing care. And I have three siblings. My younger sister is actually living on the same property as they are down in Southern Arizona, but she doesn't spend year round down there.
1: Yeah. And there, and there's so much to learn, but I know that from your own experience, you know what it's like from a different perspective when you had to care for your husband. And I know you learned a lot from that. And you, and I don't mean to be taking over here, but you are such, you are so good at researching and trying to get to the bottom of what it is you need to know that in many ways, I always think that you'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) So there
0: you go. Well, I'm getting, I'm getting better. The internet is a wonderful thing because there are so many resources available and it's so easy to do research. And, you know, as a teacher, sometimes I kind of feel like, you know, I don't know why I teach history. You can just Google it. Yeah, You know, so it's changed the whole way I teach. Now I think I'm, instead of teaching kids facts, I'm teaching them how to research and what to do with the information that they find and how to decide what's helpful and what's not helpful. Um, That's
1: a great skill.
0: Yeah. So hopefully that will serve them well, because I haven't made them memorize any dates at all in the last five years. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you need to know a general time period, but yes. Yes. Family caregivers, when you have someone in, you know, when you have a family member in an assisted living facility, you might end up a chauffeur, grocery shopper, appointment maker. Actually,
1: my dad was very, I mean, he very much took care of that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. He was, um, I'm telling you, he is, his mind was so sharp. It was just, you know, his physical body was starting to fail.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, and he, he lived to 92, right? 95, 95. Wow. Yeah. That is an accomplishment. Did you start caring for him while you were still teaching or had you already retired?
1: I started caring for him after, like right after I retired. But while I was still teaching is when my mom and dad just needed me to step up and do more things for them.
0: Hour-wise, how long did that take you each week? The grocery shopping and the making sure you visited? Right.
1: I mean, grocery shopping is not that big of a deal. Uh Uh-huh. So you know, I I wouldn't necessarily. I mean, that wasn't even an hour. You know, okay. it was, but it was more time because once you drop off the groceries, then you stay for a while, right? And you know, and you visit and things like that. And I felt that I wanted to be there more than I was some weeks. And I also, though, at the same time, wanted to balance what that looked like so that I wasn't going to fall apart. And I was still going to be strong enough to, t- to do what I needed to do for my dad.
0: Right. So the balance between self-care and keeping your life in order, as well as caring for someone else is kind of a, a delicate line it to is. walk on. Pedro's, I think, realizing that too, because his parents need a lot of assistance and he's already a very busy guy. He's been grocery shopping more in the last last (laughs) six months
1: than he's been in the last six years. None of us really did much of that, you know, back in March.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when they moved down here was right when the pandemic started. Oh, wow. I guess that's good and bad. Yeah, it was was rough. And then they were down here and, you know, you have to sign them up for new services and new doctors and all that kind of stuff. And so it was the, the move was difficult. I mean, now it's good, but at the, at the onset, it was a, it was a rough little, rough mm-hmm. little bit. So it's nice that you guys already lived in the same city. And, yes. That was,
1: that was an advantage for sure.
0: Did they, did they live far away from you or within the city or was it relatively close or?
1: Well, here's the other good thing with my dad being such a good planner is that when they were looking for places to move to okay. when mom was still alive, they purposely chose a place that was nearby me. So it wasn't like across town or something like that. It was about 15 minutes away. So it was ideal.
0: Wow. You're giving me some great tips for how to handle that situation for myself later on in life. I'm sure my kids will thank you one day.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. All
0: these things that you don't really consider. Um, Yeah,
1: well, I don't. And I, I, I feel like, I'm at that age when I should consider some of it, just at least start putting some things into place, whatever that would look like,
0: but no one wants to think they're getting old. So Mm -mm. (laughs) nope. (laughs) do you have any other specific self-care things that you learned to do while you were caring for your dad Um, other than, you know, kind of balancing the time you spent with them and the time that you lived your own life?
1: I am a person who just loves to, um, get outside and walk.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And the more I did that, the better I was just mentally, emotionally, and physically. Mm -hmm. And that really helped when, you know, because some weeks it just feels like, you know, the wheels fall off of the car kind of situation. And, and you can't predict that. And then you just need to just roll with it. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I will also say that I wasn't always diligent about that self-care. And some of that showed up later after my dad had passed away. Really? And I just went through some things with some really high anxiety and panic attacks that was just a combination of a lot of things that I had just kind of stuffed down. Okay. Okay for a number of years. And that's that whole emotional piece. Self-care is really good, right? But I think more often we think of the physical piece right? and we forget that there is a huge part of us that um, revolves around emotions and how we handle that side of things when things get tough. And so that was the part that I didn't do my due diligence. And that was the part that really caved in after the fact.
0: Sounds like something similar thing that happened to me. I kind of fell apart mm-hmm. after Pedro re- miraculously recovered. I did find Doreen, but I wasn't taking care of my physical and emotional self. No self-care yeah. whatsoever. Do they have support groups for caregivers who are caring for elderly parents?
1: That's really interesting. I never, I honestly never really looked into it. Mm-hmm. There is an organization that I know is within our city Okay. that I probably should. Oh, the council on aging. I think it was like something like that. Yeah.
0: It's a, it's a national organization. Yes. Okay. Okay. I'll have to, I'll look and see if I can find a link for them and see if they offer um, groups. Right. So (laughs) I don't even know
1: because I didn't, I thought it was okay. Right. To be Honest because somehow I kept making it through.
0: Right. Right. And so
1: I never, it, it didn't occur to me that I needed that emotional support that I wasn't giving myself until after.
0: Same thing with me. I I don't think we, we didn't have any support groups um, in Bozeman. There wasn't even a cancer center in the hospital until after he had cancer. So there was nothing available and it, it didn't occur to me. I was in California a lot at the hospital within there. I'm trying to remember, I may have seen a poster or two, but since I was in and out, it wasn't regular, like I couldn't meet every Monday because yeah. I never knew when I would be there. But in retrospect, man, I wish I would have joined a support group. They have online groups now, especially with COVID, you know, there's resources out there mm-hmm. and that's very, very important. I'm glad you brought that up.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it, it is something that if anybody asked me that I would suggest that because like you and I have both just said, we forget And we think we're okay because we're making it through whatever that looks like. Right. And sometimes it's not till later that we realize, oh my gosh, I was hanging on by a thread.
0: Exactly. And I should have called out for help much sooner. You know, and a lot of times I think as as Christians, we have maybe a poor view of counselors and mental health professionals and people who seek mental health help. Um, we think, well, you know, if I were a strong Christian, I could just pray and God will give me all the support I need without realizing that the gift he's giving us is counselors and psychologists and psychiatrists. Yes. And I grew up feeling that
1: there was a stigma Mm
0: -hmm.
1: based around counselors are going to see somebody for mental health. Mm -hmm. And it also was something that nobody talked about. Right. And it wasn't until I knew that I was not going to be healthy until I went ahead and got counseling for myself that I was like, this is okay. They're, they're giving me, they're giving me a gift by being able to have strategies to help myself when I feel like I'm falling apart.
0: We need to avail ourselves of the gift that God has given counselors, which is to enable us and equip us with strategies. The Bible is important and our relationship with God is so, so important. But if he's urging you that maybe you need more help, then seek it no matter what. Amen. Would you say that you grew a lot spiritually during this time, even though you were stressed out in other areas of your life?
1: I did because I feel... I never would have made it through without God. It didn't, it didn't look like I was necessarily spending more time in that quiet space. Mm -hmm. It looked like prayers throughout the day. I can't do this without you, you know, God help me and then fill in the blank. And I think it looked more like that because I couldn't concentrate on some of those other things. At that time, the brain space for it.
0: Right. You weren't necessarily spending hours studying your Bible, but you were in a constant conversation with God. And then once your caregiving rule was over, then you could deepen that relationship that you had already deepened during the caregiving time of your life, which leads right back to the book. It does. It does.
1: (laughs) Because it's really hard to write about something that you haven't experienced Right. Um, As a writer, I know that you understand that. And the reason that I didn't finish the book until now was because God knew I wasn't ready to finish the book until now. I needed to um, kind of reflect on that period of time that I had and understand why it felt so hard and what it is that essentially got me through. And the bottom line is, We have this hope as believers, and that hope is in Jesus. And that's another huge piece of what Advent is all about. It's how do you carry that hope with you, not just for four weeks, but how do you carry it with you every day of your life? Exactly.
0: I grew up in a faith tradition where I'd never actually even heard of Advent, you know, the, the four week period before Christmas until, oh, I don't know, four or five years ago. Because in our faith tradition, we're always looking forward to the hope of Jesus and and his soon return.
1: Oh, but that's really cool too. Yeah. I know. I'm I'm like, hmm, I like that.
0: Yeah. It's a way of living. I'm sure that your book is going to reach the people that it needs to reach. And that is exactly my prayer. It's a message that we all need. We don't have to live in a way that's uncertain all the time Mm -hmm. if we have the Advent hope in our lives all the time yeah I
1: think it's also knowing that you know when you have hope then you know that Jesus is with you right like you're you're not walking alone it feels like it but if you just go a little bit deeper you'll understand you know God has never left you he's always with you
0: it's been so good to talk to you, Mary. You've got some great insights on caregiving, especially when you're, when you're the the caregiver in town, and how it's just as much of a caregiving burden as if they were living in your home. And burden's not really the right word, responsibility, as if they were in your own home. Um, right. Sometimes, if they were in your home, you think it would be easier because they're right there. You don't get called away to help you can try to work your routine around their needs. So, you know, it's different for everyone. But the one thing that remains the same is we all need to take care of ourselves no matter what our caregiving experience might be like. And we need to take care of ourselves physically, mentally, and spiritually.
1: And I second that. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. And uh, congratulations on your book, baby. Hey, thank you. I'll, I'll leave a link in the show notes so that people can find it. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. This Tomorrow has been wonderful. Here's a recap of what Mary shared with us. Hack number one, don't just concentrate on physical self-care when you're a caregiver, even though that's very important. Hack number two, find a support group to help you navigate the emotional waters of caring for a family member. Hack number three. Don't be surprised if you need a counselor to help you recover emotionally and mentally when your caregiver journey ends. Hack number four, know that God is always with you and will help you on your journey. Come back next week when I interview Dr. Michelle Bankston, a neuropsychiatrist who has acted as a family caregiver and been the recipient of care from a family member. Take care of yourselves, my friends. You are worth it. You can find me at selfcarehacks.net or check out the show notes for links to my social media accounts. If you enjoyed this podcast, take the time to tell a friend. Together we can build each other up and teach each other how to take better care of ourselves. I'll see you here next Tuesday with more self-care hacks to help you overcome the overwhelm.